Welcome to Through the Looking Glass. This podcast takes a look of how our perceptions of ourselves and the world around us impacts how we relate to one another. The goal is to use the looking glass theory as a foundation while we discuss societal, cultural, and mental health concepts that allow us to build authentic relationships as we become our authentic self, attracting the connections meant for us. But first, we want you to remember... At times, mental health concepts will be discussed. The information provided during the Through the Looking Glass podcast, blog, and discussion forums are for informational purposes only, designed for the general education of the consumer. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional mental health diagnosis or therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified mental health providers with any questions you may have regarding a mental health condition. With that said, let's begin. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Looking Glass podcast with me, Michelle, and Marcus. Say hi, Marcus. Hey, how y'all doing? Great, great. So we're, we are super excited to be jumping off this introduction today to talk about what the Looking Glass Theory is. As you heard in the intro, our podcast will be based on the foundation of the Looking Glass Self Theory. So we kind of want to give you an overview of what that is and what this podcast will be. Well, this episode will be just kind of giving you some insight on what it is, how it impacts each other, and how we intend to use it to work on personal growth and becoming more authentic with ourselves and with each other so we can attract connections that are meant for us. So the term is based from American sociologist Charles Horton Cooley back in 1902. He introduced this into his work, Human Nature in the Social Order. And it basically describes our reflection of how we look or how we think we appear to others. Basically, using individuals or society as a mirror and adjusting our persona, our behaviors, our looks to what we feel the society that we are looking at perceives us. So to kind of scale that back a little bit, kind of unpackage that a little bit, Marcus, give us some examples of what that might look like. So example of uh, the looking glass theory is like, is how you you model after others. Uh, Say one example would be, Basically, like uh, you uh, interact with them, and sometimes you take on some of their traits that they, uh, you know, that they have. Like you work with a certain group of friends, and they're like loud, boisterous, or uh, or in different ways. You know, in some good ways or bad ways, you take on their traits, and you tend to do the things that they do. So that would be one example. Another example would be like you and your parents. Uh, how you, um, admire, you know, look up to them and you inherit some of their traits or, and you model after them how you do and how you uh, perceive things throughout life or in your time of maturity or growing up in that point. So you uh, tend to do things like your parents. So those are some examples of, you know, mirroring mirroring uh, others um, while you grow up or you know, in that looking glass theory, you know, because you basically are basically are t- like uh, taking yourself and adding whatever traits they have to you. 
So it's like uh, you're imaging them after yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And when you're thinking about how this impacts somebody's human development, this goes back to your first memory of when you were growing up, you went to school and somebody made fun of the shoes you were wearing or someone made fun of the clothes you were wearing or how you spoke. Right. So now Mm -hmm. you feel that that wasn't accepted. So now you have to act a certain way or or change yourself or do something different. And that's really an overview and kind of um, adding to what Marcus said of what we're talking about when we're talking about the looking glass self theory. theory. Um, Another example uh, for me would be, you know, when I would go to school, I would have jokes be made that, you know, you, you talk like a white girl. And at that moment, I didn't understand what that meant, but to me, it must be something negative because they were making jokes about it. So now, you know, I started to wonder, is there something wrong with me? And do I need to start speaking a different way, even though I really didn't understand what that really meant? So, you know, there's some examples in our own personal lives. And that's kind of my really first example on where a society or a group made me feel like something was wrong with myself. And I had the thought of maybe I need to change something. Do you have any examples, personal examples, Marcus, on um, some early experiences where this came into play for you? Well, I could think about, um, I would say, because I come from like a rural town um, and, you know, it's in the country. So we all speak, you know, differently, you know, from Georgia. And then when you, you know, go to college and you go through the you know, talking to other uh, other people of different cultures and so whatever. Um, and, you know, you go through, like, the speech classes and this and that, and when you come back home, you know, they tend to say, hey, you you got all uppity on me or you speak real proper now. And it's not that. It's just the point that, you know, it's like I have to, you know, you have to talk a certain way or like that. So that kind of made me feel like, you know, I um, – I didn't feel bad about it, but it was like, okay, this is a, a, a change that, you know, that, you know, it could be either better for me or, or worse for me. You know, so for me, I haven't been home in a while, so this is better for me. So that that would be one example. Yeah, yeah. And it, it allows you to kind of look at yourself. And this is where it gets to be an interesting concept in the development of your persona, right? So it's like you are being introduced with a reflection back from whatever, your peers, your family, society as a whole, that something is not right or something is negative. So now you question yourself, do I make a change to better fit in or do I keep going the same way, which is more more, you know, of an accurate representation of who I am. And that's where things can get confusing. And the components that make up the looking glass self theory are we, it's, it's looking at the group in the society, whatever group, the friends, the family, society, you know, how we imagine how we appear to these individuals, right? It's our Mm -hmm. perception of how we feel we appear to the individuals 
And then the second component is how we imagine and react to what we feel from their judgment. And again, the examples that we said, when somebody comes and says, oh, you've changed. Oh, you've gotten uppity now. Oh, you think you're better than us. Oh, look how you're talking, you know. So now the perception of that experience comes back to you to make the decision. Do I change to fit in, to feel included? Or do I stay the course of who I am because it's more authentic to who I am as a person? And finally, that third component is whatever decision that you make. So we develop our sense of self by the responses from what we perceive of the judgment from others. So one thing to understand, though, this is all about perception. So just because someone says, oh, you're you're talking all uppity now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not saying, I want you to go back, right? You know better, you do better. I don't want you to revert back. It's the perception that we feel that they're saying like, okay, so somebody said that to me. So I'm thinking this is a negative thing. I'm perceiving this to be negative. So I must need to change. It's a perception that we make. And that's really based on what we feel about ourselves and how in tuned we are to our own identity. Right. Um, But the looking glass off is not always negative. It's not always a negative um, experience. Uh, Marcus, what are some ideas or what are some examples where the looking glass self theory can kind of reflect in a more positive aspect? So it's like uh, positive. They go back to what I was saying about um, the traits that you get from your parents or your role models, you know, in a good way. Um, you know, as far as like, uh, say, like mentorship uh, for a little kid that's being mentored by a uh, guy or or female, you know, and just showing like, you know, what are good behaviors, just being how to act in public, how to um, how to address people. Yes, sir. No, sir. Things like that. And uh, as a child, you know, as that mentee, you, you go there, you receive those uh, instructions and you mirror after that, that role model, that mentor. And, you know, that'd be in a positive way as far as like, you know, personal experiences, just, you know, the different types of uh people that uh that i've interacted interacted with through you know through life as far as like coaches and teachers and uh friends and stuff you take and it's what you take from them that you add to yourself uh that are positive uh you know just like you know being well-mannered or being able to speak to people or uh being able to address um you know certain others in a certain way or, or just being able to just Plain out, you know, have positive behaviors, you know, and not be all, you know, out there and stuff. So those are, um, I feel like, are good ways. And I know Michelle was saying, you know, about the, um, as far as like your choice of what, you know, what you, what you take from um, what these role models or mentors you take from. I mean, so it's like you do have control over how you, you know, how you allow others to perceive you. So you uh, taking uh, the positives or, or the negatives and applying them to yourself, you know, you do have total choice over that, you know, how you that. But we still, at the end of the day, you're still going to be who you, we try to want you to be who you are, 100%, 100% who you are. 
So um, those would be, I would say, examples would be like, you know, the mentors or the role models in life, your parents, uh, your friends, or, you know, in a good way, taking the good traits from them, good, the good behaviors from your those uh, from those people that are around you in your um, in your environment. Exactly. Exactly. And just to kind of go a little bit deeper on about the perception element of it, when individuals say or have told me in the past, you know, oh, you're a nerd or a geek, you know, because I'm extremely uh, into computers and I do things that people might think is nerdy or geeky. Some Mm -hmm. individuals might be... what was that supposed to mean, Marcus? What was, was that just, supposed to mean? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Some people might perceive geeky and nerdy as a negative with a negative connotation. However, I choose to receive it positive in a positive way. So I go above and beyond in my nerdy and geekiness. Like I'm trying to be number one in the class and I'm good with that. And that goes back to the perception. You might say that to another individual who uses or sees that as negativity or negative. So they're going to do something opposite to fit in with that crowd. And that's where peer pressure comes in, right? Peer pressure you see, and it's not, peer pressure is not just for adolescents and teenagers, peer no. pressure through adulthood, right? Yeah, you're right. It I mean, I'm pretty sure you saw it, a lot of it on playing football, right? Uh, different individuals coming from different backgrounds, having to conform to build this team, but at, at what cost, you know, uh, do you have any examples from just when you played football or when you coach, how you see this play out there? Well, I mean, cause you have different, cause everybody had different perspectives on what the, I mean, your goal is to win. That's the goal, but you, you have to take on, you know, the responsibilities of the workouts, the training and stuff like that. To in order to get to this behavior, uh, and some some people, and, and that's just like um, you have to take when you when you're um, when you're on the team, you take on the personality of the coach. And you know, if your coach is gun ho and you know everything, we gotta win, you must win, you gotta fight, then your team is gonna more likely take on that role too, and gonna you know. Drive it because it's, I mean, it's like a strong personality. If the coach has a strong personality and is leading that team and, and coaching that team, then that team takes on that personality, and 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 it takes it on as a whole. And that team takes on that whole persona of we're gonna win, we're gonna fight, we're gonna do it. So they're in the weight room, they're working out hard, they're running hard, they're practicing hard. So you know, then it, and then it's like that, and 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 that was for me. That was like my whole, our whole persona, like in, you know, in my football career, you know, in high school, you know, so on. But, you know, when you get into certain areas where the coach is not that strong and he's not uh, consistent and not doing the things that you want to have a team that's not uh, together. And then you end up, you know, it breaks. And Have I've you noticed I'm, any areas where it was negative? Like you saw any teammates come in where yeah. you saw some jock type of, and I'm stereotyping right now because in, yeah. hey, 
Transparency. Yeah. Transparency. Right now, hey, I was the nerd. I was on the nerd squad. He was on the jock squad. So <laughs> have you had areas where, you know, there were jocks, jockey guys on the team and then you might have some new recruits. I don't know what you guys call them in football when like new people come in. Newbies, like, new, uh, rookies. Newbies. Okay, rookies. Yeah, yeah. You have them come on who who that's not their personality. Mm-hmm. But the older individuals on the team, the more senior people on the team, they want to mimic that, even though that is not who they are. Did you see that a lot? We saw that. Uh, yeah, you see that. I mean, you you take on you are who you are uh, at your core, but you know when you are when you come in as a rookie or a new guy, you tend you know you, sometimes you know with college you know in college football you usually come from a some of them come from a losing program. Some come from a winning program. The ones that come from a losing program, more likely they're a good athlete, but they don't know exactly who they are. So they try to take on, you know, the toughest guy or the best athlete there and try to mimic them. So, yeah, it, uh, and, and sometimes mimicking that person or that uh, that person you think that that's the guy you know, it can it can it can have a negative effect on you. You know, as far as like you know, negative influences. Like, okay, he he drinks, you know, before the game, or he drinks after the game. I'm gonna drink after the game. I'm saying, and your body not might not respond to it the way they're supposed to during game time on that following week. So, if you take on those negative traits of drinking and partying and stuff like that before games, um then that have a negative influence on you, then you know that's not you. That's not part of your your uh, personality or persona and how you perceive things. But you take that on because you think that's how you're going to get better. But it's not. So that would be in a negative way. So that, that's how I think. That's just a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, can, it can hurt you or it can uh, help you. And if you take on the wrong traits, then wrong traits of someone, then, you can pretty much, you know, kill your reputation or your career in that sport or field or whatever you're trying to do. Exactly. Exactly. And that's another, that's a great segue to talk about like different mirrors. So the examples Marcus and I have been using have been pretty, you know, pretty straightforward in your, in your face. Um, you see somebody who reacts to you either positively or negatively, and then you adjust your, behaviors, your appearance accordingly. So you're able to fit into that social group, whatever that social group is, friends, family, school, work, society, community, whatever that setting is, but there's different mirrors. So you might be around a certain group and you want to fit in with that certain group. So you change your personality, you change your behaviors to act like that group to fit in. You go to a different setting like work. And there might be individuals, some work environments have cliquish settings, um, just like they do in high school, and you want to fit in and be included. So you change your behaviors in how you interact to fit in with that group. So there's different layers to the looking glass self theory. It's not just one in, one and you're done. So I want to fit in with this main group. So even though this is this is not who I am, I'm going to act this way so I can be included, so I can fit in, so I can feel like I'm one of the cool kids. 
but there's different there's different facades to this. There's different layers to this, right, Marcus? There are. Um, there's different layers, different facades to it. It's just like um, you know when you when you're going through that theory and you look at the looking glass theory, and it's just like um, in different aspects, you expect you know it affects you through your you know your entire you know, growing up and through adolescence, through uh, adult, and you know, and so on, because it's it's always going to be always a part of you as far as how you deal with you know the, your environment, because your environment influences who you are. Also, you know, if you grew up in the country and you grew up around you know, backwoods and the culture of uh, you know how everything, southern hospitality and things like that, those are all different things that that's going to be a part of you, you know, throughout your life. So um, it's just the way that we are, that we get influenced by others and how we perceive things to be uh, when we're dealing with people or dealing with um, situations. So it's how it's, it takes on how you handle it as far as I like, can theory. So um, when you, um, so like going back to, you know, you growing up and adolescent and dealing with different social groups that you get involved with and with society and things, they are going to have an impact on you and how you do and what you do and who you are. You know, even with your career, it can have an effect on you. If you, um, you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't really know what you love to do and don't follow it, then, um, your surroundings and people you hang around is going to have a very impactful, be very impactful on what you choose to do in life and, and, and uh, you know, through your career or job career, anything like that. Do you agree, Jeff? Absolutely. Absolutely. And to go in more detail of what you were saying, Everybody has their core. Everybody has their own value systems, their own morals. So it's not a situation of somebody being swayed either way, negative or positive, that the issue becomes a long-term situation. Sometimes the wanting to fit in or align with the majority could be temporary but the key is knowing who you are at your core. The key is knowing what your identity is, right? So when you are when you are solid in who you are, when you are comfortable in your own skin, it's not going to be such a huge impact if you do run into a group and they respond negatively to something that you've said, that you've done, your behaviors or how you look. It might just be a realization that those just aren't your people and that's okay. I would never be able to go into, ooh, let's <laughs> step on some toes here. I, I wouldn't be able to fit into a group that had some very um, closed-minded views on society as a whole because uh, I'm not a closed-minded person. So individuals who would look at me smugly or have something negative to say about what I was speaking on wouldn't affect me because I'm not, my perception of their values, my perception of their 
thought process when it comes to me is irrelevant because they're not my people and I don't have to associate with them. It's when we are in situations where we do and how we maneuver within those situations that really have an impact on what we're doing. So the key would be to know who you are. What is your identity? Who are you as a person? And there's an exercise that I like to do with people just to see where people fit or where people fall into that. And I ask people, and you guys who are listening can play along, but I'm going to do this with Marcus for the sake of uh, this podcast here. Well, I'll, I'll ask. Uh, he, he gets to be a volunteer. He's being voluntold. Um, really? Yeah. And you're going to okay. do it. <laughs> <laughs> so That's I'll control. say Marcus. Nah, okay. control. What? Me? Okay. Me? okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask Marcus without giving me your name, who you and who you are to other people in title, who are you? You can't use your name. You can't use a titles of who you are to other people. And you can't use your phone as a, as a, as a call a friend either. So who are you, Marcus? That's the question. Who are who, you? Who am I? Who are to, you? To other people. No, who are you? Who period. am I? Period. Yeah. You can't use titles and you can't use who you are to other people. So you can't say, I'm a dad, I'm a this, I'm a that. You can't say that. I'm not asking who you are to other people. Who are you as Marcus? Yeah, I know. Can I say I am? You can do. You can say it however you want to. I want to say it. Uh, okay. Oh. Uh, Without saying it, and I have to do this without saying it too. You can't say your, any I, titles. Oh, no title. No titles. So I can't you say are it. to other people. So I can't say I am loyal. No, you can say those. Oh, okay. I mean, you, okay. your titles to other people. Like you can't say something like I'm a dad. Oh, so who okay. you are to other people. You can't use those examples. Basically, who, basically who I am to myself. Exactly. Got you. All right. So I'm loyal. I'm friendly, I'm calm, I'm understanding, I'm a good guy, <laughs> um, and uh, I like to eat. <laughs> Is that good? He does. He, does like to eat. he likes to eat a lot. <laughs> And I can confirm all the other things that he said, but, and I think I've played this exercise with him before, but for individuals who aren't given the clue of you can't use who you are to other people, a lot of people go straight into who you are to other people. And that kind of hints on the looking glass self theory, because you probably have a mirror that you use when you're interacting with those other people. Like I can say, I'm a mom. I can say I'm someone's sister. I'm someone's daughter. These are who I am to other people, not necessarily, not, not who I am to myself. And to be able to be locked into who you are and your true identity will allow you to make the positive choices when it comes to perceptions of other people. Right. And like we were saying before, it's not, and always a negative thing. Some of the change, some of the uh, changes or developments that you make 
based on what you feel perceptions are, could be positive ones. It's kind of like the understanding of post-traumatic stress, right? There's also something called post-traumatic growth, where you grow from the trauma. So definitely looking at perceptions is huge, but it's it comes down to who you are at your core and how you perceive those perceptions. Yeah. That's what makes the difference, right? It does. It makes the difference. It's, it's like how you bounce back from it. It's like, um, you know, like Michelle was saying about the traumatic, um, you know, bouncing back from that. It's how you, um, it's how you come back from it. Like you could be, you could start out as something that you really don't want to be. And then become who you who you want to be. I mean, you may have negative influence at the beginning or positive influences, but some of the positive influences may not be some things that you want to keep up, you know, keep going through and do. You know, as we you know continue to talk about the looking glass theory, you know, this can also you know in relationships, you know, as far as like talking to someone or being with somebody, you know, to get who you want or how you want you know, that person to see you in that relationship, you don't have to conform to what they want you to be in order to have a relationship, you know, at the end of the day. But most people or uh, societies, they, um, you know, as far as like the women and men, how they feel or how society feels that you should be in order to get that female or male that you want, you have to look a certain way, you have to do certain things. And um, and just to um, you know, to get that that female or not, you know, I guess you know you can look at society now when they're when you're looking at okay when females look at you know the different videos and how the different models look or how these certain clothes look on you or how this makeup looks on you, uh, you're looking at um, you know the Typically, and most of the times, you're looking at the the small, small models. You know, the tall, elegant looking type models. You're looking at that, and you try. Wow, to, really, really? I mean, really? Yeah. What is tall? What is tall to you? Tall what is tall? Is, to- so tall, <laughs> tall to me. <laughs> I don't five, care. Five six, five six, five what? six, five six or better. <laughs> That's tall. <laughs> Jeez. That's tall. Because I, I mean, I'm 6'3, so it's like. Oh, Jesus. Here high, we go. How is the thing? I mean, it's, His it's email high. is Mark like, at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Back to the tall, it? elegant no, you model. Go, you go ahead. Because I'm just saying. I'm just saying how. Like I like I was saying before, I was really interrupted, but but it's like it's like it's like it's like how you perceive. It's like you know the women they want to look they want to look good, and men they want to look good too. But you know society, um, social media has come to this, you know, different ways of how um, men or women are perceived. So you conform to these ways in order to attract that male or female. Do you exactly. not believe Michelle? <laughs> I mean, I agree. I agree. I agree. It's, and that's the reason why we chose this concept to kind of base our podcast from, because a lot of times the 
change of personality, the change of behaviors, the change of the way someone looks, a lot of times the goal is not to be who they are. It's, it's to, to get something, uh, and, and having understanding of that. So here's the deal. Is that wrong? Not necessarily. Like if you feel this is the only way you're going to attract the mate that you want, the type of mate that you want, then do it. Like, we're not saying don't like go ahead. And we're only saying that if that's not who you are, don't do it. (laughs) Right. Because you want to attract connections that are authentic to you. And when you portray yourself as somebody that you're not, sooner or later, that will run out. Sooner or later, the mask will fall off and you are who you are as a person without all of that. And now the person that you have enticed and put on the show for is seeing you as who you are and they might not like it. Or they might be like, who is this? Who are you? And it's it's a situation that I see in relationships who I've counseled with clients over and over again, where um, a few months in, a year in, the masks start coming off and people start seeing them for who they are. And it's not the same person. So now we have a whole other issue, right? But what happens when we're already in a relationship and you start to change for your partner, right? Because the feedback that we get from society or whatever, our friends or groups or whatever, all of the feedback does not carry the same weight. I'm a very big believer in the whole consider the source. I can hear, I can hear constructive criticism. I hate that word. I can hear constructive criticism from Marcus and I can hear the same thing from a stranger in the, down the road. And then I can hear the same thing from somebody I barely know. I'm going to take what Marcus says with more weight, right? Because I know that, you know, he's my friend and he's not going to stir me wrong versus some stranger I've never met before. Now, sometimes the stranger you never met before might be more honest because they're not concerned about how a lot of times yeah. you're going to take it. Yeah, right. Exactly. So again, it comes into the whole perception thing, but definitely feedback does not carry the same weight. So when you're in an intimate relationship with somebody who you're you're talking to every day, you're around them every day, what they say to you is probably going to have a heavier um, impact on you, right? So what if your partner starts to say, you know what, I think you would look better like this, or I think you you know, I don't like the way you act when you're around yada, yada, yada. I don't think I like this, that, and the other. Because this person is somebody that you feel you can trust and that loves you, you start to make changes, even though that's not who you are. And there we get into a really dark area, right? Where we can talk about abusive relationships. And that that is a particular part of relationships where this can come in and be a very negative aspect because you won't even recognize yourself, right? Because you're doing whatever you can to maintain the relationship mm-hmm. and you start to lose who you are. Wouldn't you agree, Marcus? I agree uh, with that. Um, what you just said about the abusive relationships, because uh, when you're in those type relationships, you tend to um, try to do stuff to please the abuser 
and you know, and, and it's continuous, and you're and you're and you become blind to the fact that that you're doing these things and you're still being abused. So, what's the positive out of that? There is none. So you, and then taking, and then you know, trying to receive the advice from outside sources, you're you're slack to hear it, or you you, you know, you you don't hear it at all because you're steadily trying to prove yourself to this man or woman that you know you want to be with them, that you love them, and that you you know feel that everything's going to change. Uh, when it's not because there's you're still getting you're still getting verbally or physically abused. So I mean, at point in time, and then you're not, and then you lose yourself in that whole bit. You know, trying to be this person that they're wanting you to be, but you're constantly trying to be this person, but you're getting the same results. And then you, and then you're not being yourself. You're not being your authentic self. So it, it defeats the purpose of the whole relationship. And, 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 in that place because you're not happy, they're not happy and and you're and the abuse is there. So what do you do? You get out, right? Get out. Well how and how hard is that? It's extremely, you know, challenging for a lot of people. Uh, and it's it's a time where when when I counsel individuals who have just currently left or gotten out of relationships like that it's really difficult to allow them space and time difficult for them because they have to regain who they are. They have to find who they were before all of that happened, before I changed all of this to be who this person wanted me to be. And, you know, just to quote some lyrics from an Alicia Keys off her latest uh, CD, Gramercy Park, the last phrases of that song you know, it says, I've been trying to fulfill you with every need. Now you're falling for a person that's not even me because I forgot about the person that I used to be. It's literally a relearning of yourself once you've gotten to that state. And that can be challenging. That can be challenging. And that, and it's challenging because you lose yourself in that whole bit of trying to be someone that you're not. And then, and and then you go. Then think about it. If you go through it for years, you know, five years, ten years, fifteen years. If you go through that whole process for years, trying to be this person that you're not, it's gonna take you a minute to get you back. So, and that, and that, you know, and the whole purpose of you know the podcast is just trying to you know get people to realize that you know in order to you know, be in a positive, uh, good relationship with any type of relationship, whether it's a friendship or intimate relationship or, you know, just working with others, you've got to learn to be yourself, um, you know, 100% yourself and, and, you know, with others and with those around you, despite of how anybody feels about you, you got to be yourself. Right, right. And knowing who you are, who your identity is, is important. Because again, the looking glass self theory is not negative or positive. It's just an area of understanding that our outside factors have a impact on our personality and trying to align who we are internally with our external environment. Mm -hmm. So picking 
setting up positive changes because they fall in line with who you are internally, that's a great thing, right? That's a good thing when you're able to say, hey, this falls in line with my own morals and my own ethics. And I like this and I've learned this new skill or I've learned a different way to do this thing. That's a good thing. It's when it's causing you to be opposite of who you are. So one area that we're really going to focus on are just talking about understanding who you are as a person and getting strong in that and getting comfortable in your skin and learning about your blind spots. Because sometimes those blind spots are what will pull you in to where you will pick up behaviors that might be negative because you're not aware that you have that issue going on, right? Um, Like we talk about self-care in the mental health field a lot. And self-care, One, a lot of people are like, I go home, I drink a glass of wine, da, 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 right? That's self-care to me. But then the question is, why are you drinking the wine? Why? Because everybody says drink wine. That's the thing that you do right now is drink and, and all this wonderful stuff. But are you drinking it to run away from something? Are you drinking it to numb yourself from something? So there's always w- reasons behind a behavior. And you want to be able to identify that and how that aligns with who you are internally so that you're making the best decisions for yourself moving forward, especially if you're looking for a a strong connection. And when you're talking about relationships, right, the biggest and longest and the most intense relationship you're going to have is with yourself. So if you can't be true to yourself, then every relationship outside of that is going to, is going to be a challenge. When you think Marcus, uh, true. That is true. Because if you if you can't um, be happy with yourself and find that joy that makes you who you are, then it's going to be hard for others to come into your circle or your bubble and be a part of it because they're not getting your authentic self and they're getting a uh, how do you say it? they're getting a, like a, a fraction of you. And they're getting all of you, they're getting a fraction of you. They're getting the part that you want them to see and they're getting the part that you feel like they want want to see. So you'll never be yourself. So it's uh, you have to do that. Uh, learn to be, you know, because like Michelle said, the, the best, you know, the most intimate relationship you're going to have is with yourself because you've got to wake up every morning with yourself every day of your life. So if you're not happy with yourself, how can you be happy with anybody else? Exactly. You know, and and that's um, and that's the key, and that's a key point. You know, because if you wake up every morning and you hate yourself, you're gonna hate everybody around you too. And so you need to learn how to love yourself and and be happy with who you are and what you're doing. Right. Uh, and and be and be and be one with yourself. Because when you're not, you, you you can fall fall for a lot of these uh, mirrors, right? It's like, because if I don't like myself or mm-hmm. if I don't love myself, mm-hmm. these people's life looks so much better than mine. Or this person looks like they they have five or six people that they can choose from. Then I must be, I, I need to be like them because I don't like who I am. And it's that's like, where it gets really messy. Yeah, this is, this is just like the... Uh, 
like when you see all these pictures, like I would say social media. When you look at social media, you start scroll, uh, scrolling through and you start seeing, oh, such and such is flying off to this place or, oh, they're having dinner here or, oh, that family looks so happy. And you don't know what's going on behind those pictures. But you, but you feel like I need to be there. I need to get to that point. You can't look at what everybody else is doing. You only can do what you can do for yourself. Right. So, you know, don't take, you know, take what everybody else is doing. Do do the things for yourself that make you happy and make you um, and give you joy. Because at the end of the day, you got to wake up with yourself. And you gotta go sleep by yourself. So basically, as we <laughs> as we tie this up, we will have on our YouTube uh, channel a little quick little video that kind of gives you the quick and dirty about what the looking glass self theory is. So if you want to just get an introduction to do some further study on your own, as we start to go down our weekly discussion on how we can use the elements of this to impact your relationships um that will be there and available for you if you have any questions or your own experiences with it you know let us know but again the key is aligning tr- uh, maintaining an alignment with your internal um self in your external environment and if those two things align then you're on the right track it's when you aren't aligned with yourself internally is when you start to run into some challenges. And the key is knowing who you are internally. So that's kind of where our focus will be when we're doing these podcasts, but we're going to wrap this one up. Our very first episode, we're going to wrap it up. We're so happy that you participated. And um, that's all I have. You got anything else for the listeners, Marcus? I don't. Everybody have a good time. Be yourself. Be authentic. Yeah, because like there's no one else like you. Like seven billion people on this planet, there's only one you. That means a lot. That means a lot. And you do you better than anybody else. So I say keep doing it. I say keep doing it. But um that's all we have for this episode. We look forward to the ones coming up. If you guys have any suggestions or have any questions, just leave it in the comments. Uh check out our website. You can send us an email through there as well. That will all be in the description box and you guys take care, stay safe, stay social distanced, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.